The book of Judges ends with these chilling words. In those days, all the people did what was right in their own eyes. Even though these words were written thousands of years ago, don't they apply to today? Uh, It seems like it describes our culture and our world today. And as we've been looking at the three enemies of our soul, the devil, uh, the flesh, and the world over the past several weeks, today we're, we're finishing up this series on camouflage. And we are, we're looking specifically at the world. And I love the definition that Dallas Willard gives us of what uh, the world is. He says this, our cultural and social practices that are under the control of Satan and thus opposed to God. That's the working definition we're going to go with as we talk about the world. The, our cultural and social practices that are under the control of Satan and thus opposed to God. And I want us to go back for a moment and look at the working thesis that we've been uh, working on uh, for this series. And that uh, John Mark Comer, who wrote a great book, uh, Live No Lies, uh, which is kind of the foundation of this series as well. And I want us to go back to the working thesis of our series. And this is from John Mark Comer's great book, Live No Lies. Uh, And he says this, We have deceptive ideas that come from the devil that play to our disordered desires, our flesh, that are normalized in a sinful society, the world. The devil, the flesh, and the world. Deceptive ideas that play to disordered desires, that are normalized in a sinful society. These three enemies of our soul have been so carefully camouflaged in our world. And the world is often hiding in plain sight. And the way it does this is the world assaults our disordered desires, the flesh, constantly with a barrage of temptations that are designed really to kind of overwhelm our senses to desensitize our soul and make evil good and good evil, to normalize lies. That's what the world does so often. This constant barrage is designed to overwhelm us so that we don't even question them anymore. What does the famous quote say? It says this, if you tell a lie big enough and keep repeating it, people will eventually come to believe it. The lie can be maintained only for such a time as the state can shield the people from the political, economic, and or military consequences of the lie. It thus becomes vitally important for the state to use all its powers to repress dissent. For the truth is the mortal enemy of the lie. And thus, by extension, the truth is the greatest enemy of the state. Now, we're not even sure who initiated that quote, but... I love that idea that the truth is the mortal enemy of the lie. And that's what we've been looking at, that we have to be people of truth. We have to live in truth. But to to do that, we have to see the lies of the enemy that are so camouflaged. So these, uh, the prophet Isaiah said it this way. He said, Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil, that put darkness for light and light for darkness, that put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. So these cultural practices that are against the kingdom of God, they have become normalized around us. And too often we fall for these lies that are camouflaged as truth. You know, these lies that we see that marriage is not a covenant. It's just, uh, it's not a lifelong commitment, but rather just a convenient relationship between two or more people. 
uh, that lust is love, that porn is empowerment of women, that you have to find your own truth, that if you work hard enough, you're guaranteed to succeed, that Marxism is good and just, that abortion isn't killing, that you can be whatever you want to be, that injustice against workers in foreign lands is okay as long as we get cheap goods. Just don't talk about it. But here's my favorite lie that's uh, currently going on in the world that the world is pushing. And it's couched as a harmless emoji. And no matter what the world will tell you, a man cannot become pregnant. It's just not possible. Even though uh, we see these emojis of emotions and different people, a man cannot become pregnant. And it's hard to walk through this world without constantly being influenced by lies. And I don't know about you, but sometimes it seems like uh, we're going crazy. Uh, we definitely know that the world is broken, that it is in need of help, that things shouldn't be the way they are. But how do we live in this world? That's, that's the question we're asking. How do we live in truth amidst a, a sinful society and not let the world overwhelm us? So I'll turn to the Bible, uh, like so many of you, uh, to, for answers, for guidance, for comfort, uh, for direction with this. And the, this passage in John, um, which I love, it comes from the lips of Jesus himself. And although he's warning us, it, it also brings me some comfort. This is John 15, uh, chapter, verse 18 through 20. If the world hates you, be aware that it hated me before it hated you. If you belong to the world, the world would love you as its own. Because you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. Therefore, the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you. Servants are not greater than their master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. These words from Jesus reminds us that the world is opposed to the kingdom of God, uh, that there is a battle going on between the world and the kingdom of God. But I want to turn back to our scripture also from John, but this time in the letter we title 1 John. Verse 15, do not love the world or the things in the world. The love of the Father is not in those who love the world. For all that is in the world, the desire of the flesh, the desire of the eyes, and the pride of riches comes not from the Father, but from the world. And the world and its desire are passing away. But those who do the will of God live forever. In this scripture, we see uh, the way the world tempts us. The desire or lust of the flesh, the desire of the eyes, the pride of life or the pride of riches. These come from the world. These are the same temptations that Jesus faced in the desert as well. The language looks a little different, but the ideas are the same. The devil used these same tricks on Jesus. So we see these deceptive lies that are normalized in the world and they, they kind of mesh together. You know, when Jesus was tempted in the desert, he, uh, Satan said, uh, you know, when we look at the lust for the flesh, you know, turn these bread, this stone into bread so that your faith, your flesh can be satisfied. The flesh craving for pleasure or the lust of the eyes. Bow down and worship Satan and you will have all the kingdoms of the world. Uh, Satan had set that before his eyes so he could see. With no boundaries, with all the sparkle and splendor, uh, feast your eyes on all you desire. And then the pride of riches, or uh, sometimes it says uh, the pride of life. And it's this meaning is that someone is seeking glory for from their possessions and their status in the world. The pomp and vanity is and glory, as John Wesley would put it. 
And, and what temptation did Satan give Jesus? He said this, throw yourself down from the temple. The angels will come down, save you and lift you up and you will receive glory and awe and celebrity status from the world around you. So we see the same temptation. These temptations from the world, they're not new. They are incredibly old. Jesus experienced the same temptations that you and I are experiencing today as well. And we see the same temptations all the way back in the Garden of Eden. We read the story in week one, if you remember, uh, from Genesis 3, 6. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. The lust of the flesh, that the, the fruit was good for food. The lust of the eyes, it was pleasing to the eye. And the pride of life, it was desired to make one wise. So we see these same temptations over and over and over again in the world being normalized around us. The temptations of the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, they assault us every day in the world. And the world around us, our whole culture normalizes giving into these temptations to sin. And our flesh craves those temporary desires. So in our postmodern, post-Christian world, what was often looked on with disdain is now normalized and seen as something good. And, and Christian values are now looked on as wrong and antiquated. Uh, it's overwhelming, though, to try and navigate through this world that is so opposed to God and his kingdom. And a big part of the problem is that all of us as Christians, have, sometimes we give into the world's lies so much that we don't even see them anymore. They are camouflaged right in front of our eyes. For example, some of you in, uh, who are listening, you might remember when uh, you were a child that you could pray in school, that the teacher would lead in prayer. And it was normal. Now, now, not only is it not normal, it's opposed by the world. Now, hear me, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying we need to force prayer in school. I'm pointing out how culture has changed dramatically into a post-Christian culture. Even think about the idea of the separation of church and state. Initially, the idea was created to keep the, the state out of the church, and now it's touted as keeping the church out of the state. Uh, and the temptation in a post-Christian world is to become like the world around us, um, to fit in to the world. We begin to dress like the world. We begin to celebrate the th same things as the world. We begin to love the same entertainment, the same values. We normalize a sin. We normalize the culture around us. And so we've come full circle. Again, as we kind of wrap up this series, it's this idea of deceptive ideas, the lies that the devil speak into our lives that appeal to our disordered desires and then begin to be normalized in a sinful society. Uh, it's the terrible loop and echo chamber where these lies are normalized and we tell each other what our flesh wants to hear. So what's the solution? How do we battle the world? Uh, and here's, here's the, the weapon that we use to battle the world. That weapon is the church. The church is the best and the only hope for the world. The church is the place we are called to gather together as, a, as disciples of Jesus so that we can discern the truth of Jesus 
over the lies of the devil. It's where we help each other uh, override our flesh with the power of the Holy Spirit. It's where we should be forming deep relationships with each other that help us to really be a, a counterculture to the world. It's in this that we are able to get out of the loop of these enemies of the soul. This is how we fight. We are a counterculture. We are a remnant. We are called to be almost a rebellion against the world and the culture to help uh, as we usher in the kingdom of God. But there's an important distinction that I've said before that I need to make us all aware of. We are, we are fighting against the world. Uh, and, and again, let's look back at the definition of the world. Our cultural and social practices that are under the control of Satan and thus opposed to God. We are fighting against culture, against social practices that are under control of Satan. But we are called to love the people in the world, the people that might even be pushing these things, uh, these people that are controlled by society, uh, that are in bondage to sin and lies. Uh, we don't preach against people. We are preaching against culture. The church is called to be a city on a hill, right? To be light that shines bright, that gives hope to a people in the world that's broken uh, so that we can shine out the kingdom of God to, to again show people how to live free people. We are the church, the called out ones, which, uh, which is really the meaning of the word church. We are called out of the world to be light and life. Uh, to be a community of grace and hope. We are called, each of us, all of us, not just pastors, but you watching it as well. If you call yourself a disciple of Jesus, you've been called by Jesus. Uh, you, and because we are countercultural, uh, because we are a city on a hill, because we are called, we will not and we shouldn't look like the rest of the world. We are the weird, uh, we, the ones that don't fit in, the outcasts, the one that the world rolls their eyes at and even persecutes. That's, that can be normal. We are the church, and to truly to fight these enemies of our soul, the church has to be more than just a place to come on Sunday morning. It's just that it, it, it is a place to come. That is important. We have to gather together, but it's more than that. With the barrage of lies we receive every week, church should be our respite our place, our anchor to recenter our life, to refocus our lives, to refocus on Jesus. We have to have a deep connection to people that come together to remind each other of God's kingdom and how we should live to keep each other accountable. We fight against that which is evil, but we also fight for the good. We fight for truth. Uh, we're the ones who are celebrating and seeking truth. We are for people thriving in the world, thriving in truth. We are seeking love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. That's what we're fighting for. So I want to end this more, uh, today with the words of Jesus himself, who gives us these instructions from the Gospel of John, chapter 17. He says this, uh, this is verse 14, I've given them your word, and the world has hated them because they do not belong to the world just as I do not belong to the world. I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but I ask you to protect them from the evil one. They do not belong to the world, just as I do not belong to the world. Sanctify them in the truth. That's, that's what we're trying to do, being sanctified. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you have sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sakes, 
I sanctify myself so that they may also be sanctified in the truth. Again, we are that city on a hill. We are to, to live countercultural, to, to live for Jesus, to show the world light. Now, as we finish this series, I want to remind you again, if we want to live in the truth of Jesus, we must sanctify, seek after holiness, live for Jesus. And that takes fighting against the enemies of our soul, fighting against the lies of Satan, uh, fighting against the desires of our flesh, fighting against uh, a sinful society that, that normalizes sin. And, and we need those spiritual disciplines to guide us. We've been talking about that throughout the series. These must become our normal, our practices every week. We must read and memorize scripture to combat the lies of the enemy. We must take time for quiet prayer to reflect on the truth of those scriptures uh, and, and to not allow the enemy's lies to penetrate our souls. We must realize that the devil's lies are not random, but appeal to our disordered desires, our flesh, and that the Spirit will give us power to overcome. We have to practice the spiritual disciplines, especially fasting and confession, like we talked about last week. If you missed that sermon, go back and look at it again. And in this post-Christian world, we must gather together as the church to be a counterculture movement that is more than just battling evil, but seeking after truth and sharing the truth of Jesus to a lost world. So if you're watching and you're not part of a, a, a smaller group within the church, I would encourage you to do so. Reach out to me and I can help uh, get you connected as well. But let's uh, close with a word of prayer. Again, Lord, we thank you that uh, you are with us. We thank you that your truth is bigger than any lie, that you have overcome the world, and that you give us power to overcome the world through your church. Lord, we pray your protection on your church. We pray that you would guide us as a church to be light and life for the world. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for your love. And we pray in Jesus' holy name. Amen. God bless you all this week.